podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation, the pandemic's number one spot to come hear people ramble about Star Trek that are named Matt and Andy. I'm Matt. And I'm Andy. <laughs> really trying to lean into it more. Process of elimination. He is Andy. Uh, you know who the other guy is? That only I leaves one other guy could be. I'm Matt. You, I already said it was hosted by Matt and Andy. <laughs> so you know who this guy is. Uh, That's right. Yeah, well, look, it's a, it's a, it's a sunny, sunny day out here in Star Trek land because we get to talk about an episode uh, I've been looking forward to watching for, I don't know, four years, however long we've been doing this podcast. You have talked about it. I it's have. not a sunny day, though. I'm looking at a beautiful sunset, as a matter of fact. Uh, I am... I was very overcast today. I loved it. Uh, you, yeah, You're, had, you kind of got an overcast personality. I had pants on today. I've been wow. shorts, you know, exclusively, and then all of a sudden I was like, I'm going to put on some jeans, some dungarees. If you got if you got a head to head between cargo shorts or dungarees, what wins for you? What's the or weather? sweatpants? Oh, I'm not a sweatpants person. Not a sweatpants person. No, I don't even own a, I don't even own a pair of sweatpants. What are you? T- what is this nonsense? What I is don't. this insanity? You I don't like, own a I like a basketball short. You know, that's what I'll that's what I'll lounge about in the house with. Sure, that's that's nice. I got a basketball short on right now. Yeah, basketball short. Um, I'm wearing uh, some cargo shorts, even though I've been told that they're they're out now. Oh, but, you very know what? much so. But I hey, have guess what, pairs. guys? No one's gonna see me ever again. So, <laughs> but it also, doesn't make a if difference. you you know, it's great because you can carry pocket stuff in your pockets. That's that's the real and you that's the go... real downside of stylish shorts is that you you can't you know put a bunch of crap in the pockets yeah i mean look it's not like we have transporter buffers where we can put all kinds of things in our pockets we are stuck with pockets guys cargo for the win you don't see a lot of people doing that with the transporter technology the like carrying basically everything they own in their pockets i mean it's a it's a thing really i'm pulling from the uh star trek voyager game uh delta force you'd have all your weapons would be stored in a transporter buffer that was a great game you know I have never played that, and I always wanted to. Oh, I, should I, I should I go how, back to it? How would you be able to find it? Oh, I'm sure I can find it. I guess the question is, how do how I would play, you play it on it? my Mac? There's, there's somebody explained it to me, and there's something about partitioning that was beyond my understanding. But if there's some, if some nerd out there must have an easy way for we, me to play Delta Force on my Mac, <laughs> please let me know. <laughs> Sttncpod at Gmail. All right, or you could leave a voicemail. Uh, <laughs> Don't leave a voicemail explaining how to play Delta. So upsetting. So dissonant at the end. All right. Let me answer the question everyone's wondering. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? Of course I would, you nincompoops. It's great. Uh-huh, you blew it at the end. <laughs> I did. I blew it. I blew it. I blew it. Well, you were too I effusive. Didn't actually, I didn't you were uncharacteristically I didn't, effusive. I didn't blow it on my end. There's a slight no, delay. Did I, 
Oh, I see. So when I was hearing it, you you actually nailed it. Uh, it's, I almost look. I, I I didn't fail as bad. I failed a little bit. I'll I say see. that. But I didn't I fail see. as badly as it probably sounded to you. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it's relic. It's that's great. probably the, that's the way you and I experience the podcast. <laughs> it's exactly right. Uh, I can't say enough good things about relics. I really uh, just as a you know my favorite character on the original series was always Scotty, and uh, to have him pop up on my favorite series, uh, it's just uh, what a delight. That went, said, yeah, what? Well, yeah, well, go ahead. No, I was going to say. I was just going to say I went directly. <laughs> The, the last one was so unpleasant. <laughs> uh, Man of the People was so unpleasant that uh, as soon as we were done with the podcast, I went right into the next one and I watched it. Well, that that that's just not that's just good thinking right there. That's not yeah. That, and you it can't, was can't fault you for that, Andy. And it was effective. It was a, a perfect palate cleanser. Palate cleanser. Yeah. All right. Palate cleanser. Shall we open up the Admirals Club, Andy? Let's do it, pal. Oh, there Matt. we go. Having some sound Matt. level issues over here on my end. Uh, uh, Matt, uh, how do they uh, get into the Admirals Club? Well, it's very easy. It's, a, it's an exclusive lounge located on deck 12 forward. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and you are allowed in if you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can say whatever you want. Just make it five stars. You're good to go. You'll be uh, admitted and perhaps even uh, acknowledged on this very show. Andy, who is the first uh, admittee of the Admirals Club? Our first admittee is Mike M. from Florida, who writes, Andy Secunda, come on. Um, and he says, has Andy ever tried to cover up good pizza with bad just to have the excuse to then cover up the bad with more good? Good question, Andy. The answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I have had bad pizza, eaten good, and then eat more good to cover up the good. Sure. <laughs> so I'll admit to that. Um, our next uh, Admirals Club admittee. It's a sandwich and a pizza <laughs> and some ice cream and some donuts and a good pizza to cover up the bad pizza and some tacos and a burger and some french fries and a milkshake. It does it. We need, we need a short we version should, of it. We should, we should do a live stream. Uh, where you have to eat each item in the song, <laughs> dude. I I already I already had a full. I had two bowls of sugary cereal. Then I had a two burger meal. Then I and I was like, okay, that's it. You just you just coined the phrase a two burger two meal. Two burger meal. And then I um, you know, it's the problem is now, and I'm I bet you a lot of you are facing this. There's a uh, there's a lot of things that would in regular life be like, well, I'm going to see people soon, so I shouldn't do that. And it's just like there's no reason why I shouldn't have cookies and ice cream. And, uh, Andy, uh, I did. I, I am 100% on board with this whole theory of uh I mean, I've heard about people in in the pandemic, uh, you know, in the in, in their homes like getting in shape, uh, finally eating healthy exercise routine and uh, I've gone, I would say, uh the opposite direction. I do have a tummy ache now. I'll say that. Oh, um, 
And so he has price. a tummy ache. <laughs> very specific to this situation. Although probably it happens more than you would think. Um, I did get a rower. My rower finally has arrived. What a bizarre thing for you to go for. What do you mean? I, well, I guess you already, ha- you, already, you already have a treadmill, I guess. Yeah. I don't have a treadmill. Oh, I thought you had I've, a treadmill. I was told that, that a rower is more effective cardio than a treadmill. I'm, I'm sure whoever told you that is probably correct. I don't know. It just seems yeah. like of the machines people buy, there's like an order. And I don't know that rower ever comes first. But, you know, Andy, you know, you know what? The, I think you should march to the beat of your own drum. I'm not going to march because that's what I would do on a treadmill. I'm <laughs> going should, to row to the beat of my own drum. Row to the beat of your own drum. <laughs> row to the beat of whatever those people at the front of the, the boats are that call counted out. They're, in they're, social uh, network. They're, uh, they're Coxman. They're Coxman. <laughs> Coxman. I yeah. don't think they are. <laughs> um, no, sorry. Coxwain? The, uh, Coxwain? Coxwain. Coxwain sounds Coxwain. closer. Coxwain. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. I'm not a boy of the sea. A man of the sea? A person of the sea. Uh, hang on. A friend of the sea. Um, the second uh, Admiral Admittee is Brawley 990. A Coxswain. Uh, in the rowing crew, the Coxswain is the member who sits at the stern facing the bow. The Coxswain is responsible for steering the boat and coordinating the power and the rhythm. In some capacities, the Coxswain is responsible for implementing the training program and regimen for the race plan. Andy Secunda, I'll tell you this. Coxswain. Good job, Matt. And I'll tell you this. They should have done that at some point in uh, in the Starfleet Academy or in in something where it's like basically people doing that uh, college rowing except in space. Oh, they should totally have. Cr- I bet they do. I bet Starfleet has a crew team. I don't. Yeah. I don't doubt it. I bet they're in the. I bet they do the head of the Charles every year. With like a, with Harvard, like Harvard. Harvard's there. You know, you got your, your Emery's and your and your and your and your and your and your pens all coming up to row in the Charles. Is this the uh, is this the the Boston captain that's watching the the, the rowing, <laughs> the crew? <laughs> Set a course for Earth. It's the head of the Charles. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to set the coordinates for the head of the Charles? No, I want you to just set, get to Earth. Sector zero okay. zero one, dum dum. Okay, all right. I don't know why we brought this guy at the at the helm. I don't know where <laughs> Wesley Crusher went. Uh, anyway, Brawley nine ninety writes us. This is the title. It's a disaster piece. Yes. <laughs> uh, we I think we have to put it's a disaster piece on our publicity materials. Whatever, whatever our poster should say. <laughs> it's a disaster uh, piece. Fights, lasers, and intrigue, all before the episode review even starts. Love it. Uh, I was randomly digging through Star Trek podcasts to find discussion on Picard and stumbled on this treasure. Oh, my Thanks God. Thanks for the yucks and the catharsis, fellas. Thank you, Brawler990. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder if we have any new listeners who are new listeners because they found us when Picard was on. That's a really good question because, I'm asking, you know. And therefore, all right. I demand well, answers. Let Email us know us. because I know that I know that the general vibe is was a lot of anger. As a matter of fact, there's another review that did not give us five stars. If you'd given us five stars and give us a bad review, I would have read it. But you gave us a bad Very review. True. Oh, is it just these guys hate everything? Star. What's the fun? Um, no. Well, you know, do you want me to read? <laughs> no, they didn't give us five stars. Yeah. Get out of the Admirals Club. Okay, but it was just basically about the our Picard. Uh, if you want to rewrite it era. and leave us five stars, yeah. we'll, we'll read it. <laughs> All right. Um, that's it for the Admirals Club. Let's get into the oh, President's Circle. Such a such a quick uh, jaunt through here. I guess well, with, all these, with, all the, with all the buffets closed, I guess it, it makes sense. 
Uh, they just got a guy with the, you know, the, the face shield and the... And no, it's the future. Uh, let's head over to the president's circle. The United Oh, here we are, Andy. It's President Circle. You just head over to patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC, and you can be a member of the President's Circle. Uh, and along with that, you'll get up to four bonus podcasts every month. Lieutenant's uh, level is there as well. You'll get two bonus podcasts every month. Uh, just finished up uh, Marvel movies. You got Far From Home sitting up there for anyone who wants to swing by the Patreon. Uh, and then, of course, you'll get your Voyager, your Enterprise, and your uh, Star Trek Discovery. We wrapped that up as well. So, yeah, uh, so we're going to be doing the Star- Discovery shorts, and then we have to figure out what we're doing next. I can wait. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you may, there may be a vote, or Matt may make a command decision. It's, it's all open Look, to... Here's uh, what I'm... I'll let everyone know what I'm leaning towards. Okay. And then we'll probably put it to a vote in the Patreon. Uh, I'm leaning towards covering the J.J. Abrams Star Treks. Oh, really? I'm like, I can't get this Alex Kurtzman taste out of my mouth. Let me just guzzle more of it. <laughs> so you know how I feel about saving uh, saving our private movies, Ryan, but uh, uh, love saving it. private you Ryan. Great. You think it's a great? Movie. I just think we should do. I've been trying to get you to do Saving Private Ryan in our Star Trek Patreon for a Andy, long time. Andy, as someone who's <laughs> as someone who's uh, been on doing a James Bonding podcast for far longer than those movies allowed, yeah, <laughs> don't worry about it. We have plenty to say about everything over and over again. Uh, you know, another thing that I, w- I was interested in that a lot of people have said, it's usually up there with Battlestar, which I know you're against Battlestar, but uh, Firefly is another one that I never really watched that I'd be curious about. Yeah. But uh, we can discuss. You've got time, Andy. I think you should start watching it on your rowing machine. Yeah. You can just row through the stars. Well, I with only Nathan row Fillion. for about... Row through only... the stars with Nathan Fillion. I only row for about seven minutes a day, so I don't think um, I don't think I'm gonna get very far on that. Um, and uh, if you uh, if you join the Patreon uh, and you go to each week's episode for priority one messages, I'll do a special post. Your we're gonna read it. Messages. That's it. You want to message us? You want to get it right on the show? Join the Patreon, and we will give you priority one clearance. Here we go. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. You can handle that part from now on. Um, <laughs> I just did. And the the uh, the first hail is um, the um, I'm trying to think what to tell you. It should be Troy labeled, and uh, it is a voice it's hail. A voice hail. Okay, voice hail coming in through priority one. Let's hear it. Oh, and this is the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor winner. This oh, week. here we go. Hello, Matt. Hello, Andy. Um, my name's Amanda. I'm a faithful listener to your podcast and i'm happy to share the responsibility of the presidency with many other of my fellow presidents oh no I she doesn't get it i wanted to speak about the toy thing um my dad and i i grew up watching star trek with my dad uh we've rewatched it on netflix a bunch of times and when i was a kid he used to joke every time there was a troy mind rape episode he used to go Oh, it's another Troy mind rape episode. Here we go again. And he was really glib about it, but I'm glad that he even pointed it out because he's not the sort of person who usually notices um, 
feminist problems in TV shows. He's more the type that would uh, argue for the opposite. But um, that's neither here nor there. I'm glad that he pointed it out because otherwise, when I was a kid, like, it was just, you know, Troy gets mind raped. That's what happens to her. It would have been another <laughs> Jeez, internalized uh, happens a lot. thing that I grew up thinking that having empathy is a weakness. Having empathy allows people to exploit you. Um, but it was just bad writing, you know? on the part of the writers. I think that the writers Lazy. improved on writing women with each successive series. Like, TOS is terrible. If you ever watch some of, of the episodes, like, <laughs> Kirk's going around calling people sweetheart and uh, uh, no no woman is really taken seriously. And then we have um, The Next Generation where it's a little better, but women are kind of still, like, shoehorned into these roles where they're caretakers, like Troy's a psychiatrist, Beverly is a doctor. Women their responsibility is to care for others. Um, you have Tasha Yar, but even she, tough as she is, was the victim of rape gangs. Like, women can't escape from being victims. And then finally you get to DS9 where you have, like, actual women, like Kira and Dax, mm -hmm. who act like they're flawed and they're strong and they're empathetic and they have, you know, they just act like human beings, you know? Um, not that Troy and Beverly don't act like human beings, but I really don't think the writers gave them many opportunities to showcase uh, strength in the same way that, that the men were. So I'm glad that you guys noticed it. I hope that you continue to notice it. Um, it's hard being a girl growing up with some shows and not having being able to have um, role models for myself. Uh, I wish that I'd watched CS9 earlier, but mm. um, I love you guys. I love your show. Thanks for we love you too. my voicemail. I hope it wasn't too long. Oh my God, it's three and a half minutes. Okay, I'm sorry. I'll go now. Bye. <laughs> Not too, it's, it's 2.49. You were way under three and a half. Don't worry. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a failing, I think, of the writers in that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I got to say, it's really just... A failure of character, if you ask me. Um, What's the distinction for you? Uh, I think it's like I think if she was just a psychiatrist, she would have been written much better. <laughs> Honestly, oh, you're saying as opposed to being an empath, as opposed to being an empath who has powers that are vague and like they change here and there, and then there'd be no way in the mind to be dealing with like it's like oh, what can we do with her? Well, people can she can she's empathic and she's also uh, telepathic with the. Uh, Fellow Bajorans and other empathic right. Oh, well, well, what if we? Okay, oh, it's just like, guys, right. come on. I, you you've said this before, and I definitely agree that it's they they carved out a bad problem for themselves with her being someone who can basically you know sense what everyone around her or people on other ships, sometimes planets, are feeling. Um, but uh, ships, planets, think, systems. <laughs> uh, we don't know. It's whatever the week needs. So I think that is a problem, but I. But to me, it's more that th there was a failure of imagination, and I have to assume most of it was derived from sexism, that uh, that they kept blocking her in and not doing anything interesting and expansive with her character. And I also think Amanda makes a really good point about the uh, the them setting up her empathy because I feel like that's how they're boxed in. They're like, well, she wouldn't do anything, you know. Well, I think they had aggressive because she's empathetic, but I'm like, she would stand up for herself. She would figure out a way to solve the problem and protect herself. Well, I think it's, you know, she gets, there's a, there's some good Troy episodes coming, 
in six in season six and season seven. So you know, I like you know, for instance, like the episode where she finally decides to take the uh, uh, command uh, uh, test to bump up in rank to commander. I think that's a great episode for her. Um, yeah, but I think that this voice hail is uh, very apropos. Of that episode. Good God, that episode's so bad. I agree. Um, so that is our Christopher Pike Medal of Valor awardee. Now we are in Priority One Messages proper. Oh, wow. Um, we'll probably open those hailing frequencies. Captain, Captain, we are being hailed. Andy's so worried about that. It's the wrong place. It's the wrong place. That's not where that goes. Captain, incoming message. That's what I meant to hit. That's what I meant to hit. Because it's an incoming priority one. That's all that's It's an incoming priority one message. Daniel J. Harris writes us, Hey, Andy and Matt. Uh, I've been a listener from day one. I have uh, had never seen a minute of star of any Star Trek TV show, but have been a Myra stan forever. <laughs> uh, I watched the first two seasons along with the pod, but after the first uh, uh, with, of my son, I couldn't keep up. Uh, I kept my feed updated and about six months ago thought I should get back to it. I figured out that you so thoroughly explore the episodes and play the audio that I didn't actually need to watch the show. Very true. <laughs> this is fascinating. I try to watch the big ones, uh, Best of Both Worlds, so I get the full experience. But honestly, I figured out I'm really just here for you guys. God bless you, sir. Uh, I'm not a TNG fan. I'm a TNC fan. Oh, well, thank you. Bi- Thank you, indeed. Uh, well, baby number two is coming August 4th. So if you read this, there's a chance. Uh, I might not hear it for a while. Just wanted you to know how much I appreciate your commitment. Regards, Daniel Harris, Toronto, Canada. P.S. Tell Nacho I sing his songs to my son all the time. Uh, Atticus <laughs> broke it, but Daddy fixed it. Definitely not forever. Love you, atticus <laughs> Uh That's delightful. Uh, Atticus. Atticus is a good name. I named my uh, dwarf that in Dungeons and Dragons when I was 12. That sounds right. Uh, Tried to Um, name, uh, threw it out there as a name for Henry, but uh, was rejected. But, uh, you know, good. Good you're living your best life. Canadians doing it right again. It's got a good vibe to it, Atticus Myra. It does. Whatever. Um, But then, like, you know, if you read, uh, if you read... um, God, what is the fucking name of the of Harper Lee's follow up to Mockingbird? Anyway, uh, Atticus is not quite the character we thought. <laughs> the mock is back. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's mock me to the moon. Uh, okay, so um, another voice hail. Next, uh, no, not another later? voice hail. Okay. Yep, Lieutenant Tim Cesarano. I, he said that I got it right at some point. <laughs> I don't know if I got it right there. Writes us, hey, Andy and Matt. Uh, I've been re-listening to all the episodes during quarantine. Oh, man, you're in for it. And rediscovered when you attempted to perform jingles on the show, season two, episode two. Um, I've added some instruments to your Admirals Club jingle and cut out the 816 Trek, Trek TNC one for you guys to use. They're both <laughs> attached. Uh, thanks so much for keeping up the pod during COVID. I, uh, it helps a lot when you're spending a lot more time at home. Lieutenant Tim... Cesarano, Cesarano. <laughs> uh, you I heard, you times. heard those already. I tried, I previewed them earlier, but uh, just for fun, here's the Admirals Club one again. Welcome to the Admirals Club. We <laughs> should have used it before. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, if you want to leave a voice hail, just eight one six track TNC. 
<laughs> well, he was intentionally being chord was that? Was I so can bad. sing better than that, guys. Come on. Uh, yeah, I don't think we were trying, Andy. That's the point. But I enjoy his uh, added vocal uh, presence. Um, and uh, if you want to send a hail in, uh, Amanda did a, a, an amazing job. It was it was right on target, but uh, you know you probably want to keep it under a minute and a half if you can. I don't care if you want to go um, longer. You can I'm email us a voice it. memo. Uh, you can, but there's less likelihood that it's going to be on the show. I would play. Um, I'm watching DS9. Oh, he also added. P.S. I'm watching DS9 for the first time, and while watching, I'm constantly thinking about how much Andy will love it. Can't wait for you guys to get to it. I'm looking forward to it too. Tim Cesarano. He will love it. Uh, <laughs> I think that's the third way you pronounce his name. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to cover everything. <laughs> Lieutenant Laura McCarricker, who gave me the phonetic pronunciation like a champ. This is Troy's Sub Rosa. <laughs> oh, oh, I yeah. can't wait to hear what Andy thinks about that episode. Oh, it's yeah. so frustrating how badly the writers write for women. I forgot how much I hated this episode. I was applauding Andy's rant at the end. Amen. Just get ready for Sub Rosa, Andy. Yeah, it's Would you a, say it's a man of the people fire. or Sub Rosa is worse? Sub Rosa is worse. Matt. Sub, whoa! Yeah. Sub Rosa is worse. Sub Rosa is worse. I will that say is that. Impressive. With, with authority. Sub Rosa, the two, there's a, Kumail Nanjiani and I used to do a live show at Meltdown every month called uh, Star Drek. And yeah. uh, the show was spawned because we had an argument over which was the worst episode of TNG. Was it Masks or was it Sub Rosa? So we watched them both, and Mystery Science theatered it. It was a good time. We haven't seen Masks yet, have we? No, that's uh, season seven has some real fucking duds in it. It's amazing. Wow. Like the, you know, it was nominated for an Emmy for Best Drama that year, uh, which I think was just like an, an Emmy because the show was ending, and they were like, well, it did great over its run, so let's nominate it this year. But, the oh, there's some garbage in season seven. Did Stewart ever collect the Emmy? Uh, no, he would have stolen it. I don't think he was ever nominated. <laughs> wow. That is weird. Um, Lieutenant Tanner Wilson writes us, Why does this episode even exist? Nurse Ogawa Participation Award was the most exciting part. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> it really was. It's what kept me engaged. Um, Lieutenant Denise Kupferschmidt uh, writes us, uh, Riker should have thought that the... Anna was maybe starting to go. <laughs> I, I, didn't know, I had to make I didn't the adjustment. Where you were going with that? <laughs> I was I was stopping myself. Um, was maybe starting to go through her phase like her mom did in the episode Manhunt, since she was so horny and weird. I actually like the uh, sci-fi element to the episode, shallow as it is, but it is so incredibly frustrating to see Deanna get mind violated again. I agree with Andy that you could write something cool and interesting with this premise, but it would requ- require giving Deanna some agency for once. Um, so true, Denise. Uh, Lieutenant Eric Peoples writes us, who would go to a counselor that also does your performance review? <laughs> <laughs> so true. I feel like this one deserves the Good Take Award because that is so accurate. <laughs> You're not going to tell that that counselor anything? I don't know. I've just been feeling like I've been laying down on the job and I've been distracted when I've been, you know, when I was supposed to put up the shield. You're not going to say any of that crap. So true. God. Um, Although, Lieutenant like, Mark- if you're real sensitive, she might be like, I, I better promote him. <laughs> He's not going to well, take it well if I don't. Because <laughs> she's so empathetic. <laughs> um, Lieutenant Mark C. writes us, uh, and it says Mark C., Transporter Chief of Rupert Crandall's Inside Straight. Um, 
Picard was <laughs> Rick Randall's inside straight. <laughs> it's always funny when I hear it. The stupid character that was brought up and never seen. Do you think we'll see him in, in season two? I hope not. <laughs> was so much setup. I hope we see none um, of what we saw. It'd be great if he was like hilariously like irritating. He was like, "Hello, Picard. It's Ruby Crandall." Andy, like that. Uh, yeah. I suggest you yeah. keep an eye on the sheets, and if that part comes up, <laughs> you get your ass. You get your ass to Toronto. Well, Look, actually, I don't care. Shoot. I've got to get in for this audition. They I'm gonna nail it. They shoot here, so you're great. I think this is great. <laughs> I love it. I think you absolutely should audition for the part of Rupert Crandall. I'm the only one that knows where everything is in the star sizes. I'm, I know I know all the coordinates. I've got the fancy ship. Uh, <laughs> um, Picard was unusually reckless. This is Mark C again. Uh, Picard was unusually reckless in his communication at the start of the episode. This is what could have been concealed in the static. Ship captain. Uh, this is the other ship captain. No injuries, but I'd like permission to transport a couple of our passengers to your ship. Picard, of course. Ship captain. We're conveying a mediator to Seronia. I think he's the reason the recogs fired on us. He's carrying a contagious virus that can't be screened out by transporters. Picard. Uh, captain, I'm losing you. Go ahead and beam your passengers on board. That's <laughs> true. That could have been the part that was left I'm, out. I'm pretty sure that the, this woman that's with him is not his mother and uh, probably just has all of his <laughs> bad feelings uh, and is uh, probably going to die as a result. Uh, please uh, just be very careful. Send security immediately. Someone has theorized that he's been uh, using the mind energy of the woman to feed his own uh, issues and avoidance of emotion, but uh, we have no confirmation of that. <laughs> Um, Lieutenant Catherine Gartner writes us, uh, re the transported, transported. Matt, you keep mentioning the upcoming episode, Second Chances, but how do we go an entire transporter conversation without discussing the very next episode that conveniently didn't deteriorate Scotty's pattern? And Disco, season two, episode 13. Oh, because I didn't want to spoil anything for Andy. Right. Reasonable. And Disco, episode two, season 13. I watched it, but not listened yet here's my question why didn't they just beam all their personal belongings into the enterprise's buffer when they were evacuating the ship instead of oh this is about disco um yes uh, anyway but i'll it's answer a valid it. question i'll answer it uh go ahead because they forget how things work on that show conveniently thank you <laughs> um all right uh lieutenant andrew gibson writes us the enterprise has a terrible track record for ferrying around negotiators. Too short a season. The emissary. Louder's a whisper. The price. Sarek. The host. And now man of the people. Maybe everybody on the bridge is actually a psychopath bent on de derailing peace talks. <laughs> it's an interesting theory, Lieutenant Gibson. Uh, Lieutenant Seth J. Bordreau writes us, when Andy said... <laughs> Diana, the way he used to say, as it said, Diana, the way he used to say Diana, because of the villain, I scream no as specifically as Diana did after being rejected by same villain. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. I apologize to everyone. Um, and that is it for the priority one messages. We can step out to the corridor anytime right. you're ready. Let's do it. <laughs> And let's open up the hail bag. Captain, Captain, we are being hailed. 
And uh, we have two hails uh, from uh, an old uh, an old friend of ours we haven't heard on the ship in a bit. Uh, please play them at your leisure. Uh, there is a one and two on this, right? That's the ones. Oh, shit. What did I do with it? <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> I drag them into the sa- into the into the soundboard. Uh, While and... uh, we have this moment, uh, you know, go on down to uh, Ripley's. Believe it or not, no, they're not a sponsor anymore. <laughs> oh, that's right. Here that's it is. Right. Uh, part one. Here it is. Matt, Andy, how you going? Damien from Brisbane checking in. See you in a lot. One of my favorite episodes. Fantastic episode of TNG. I've watched it many, many times. And I've listened to your podcast many, many times for many, many years. And I'm just so thrilled and relieved that it's still shit. (laughs) 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 And then he felt he needed a follow-up message. Good. That was was some great uh, Australian comedic timing. (laughs) Look, it's not that it's shit. Don't get me wrong. I love it. Why else would I keep coming back? What I meant to say is that the production, the quality, the way you argue about the order of everything, that's all shit. And I love that. <laughs> that's half the reason to turn up every week to listen. So don't, don't take it as a criticism. I mean, I had to call back and leave a second message. And I look forward to you trying to either stitch it together or playing the back-to-back and fucking that up too. All right. <laughs> no, that was the only up. part we didn't fuck up. Uh, but I did fuck up like where I put it. Like that's very accurate. So I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad that we could uh, give him everything he hoped for and more. Thank you, Damien from Brisbane. No. <laughs> <laughs> please, please come here on board for all your shit podcast needs. No, no, and no. that was close. It's in the ballpark. Um, okay, now Matt, yeah. I feel like I take a lot of uh, crap myself. Uh, we have a we have a hail that's about one of the songs we're going to play in this week in track. Last week I put it in the this week in track, and you complained. Not last week, but the last time we had this argument. So, do you want to put it here in hails? Yep, let's do, do it. So it? here we go. We're referring to, of course, the number one song during the week of release of uh, last week's episode. Possibly still number one in England. Is it? Uh, it's still number one in England. All right. This is, of course, uh, the, the, the great musical group, The Shaman, <laughs> with their song, Ebenezer Good, G-O-O-D-E, again, just like Johnny B. Good. Uh, it's, a, it's a surname. Uh, let's, let's just get a little taste of that song while we're here. Skip to the middle if you can. I want to hear uh, the sure. chorus. Chorus? Is there no chorus? Hello. A gentleman of leisure is there for your pleasure, but go 
easy or not easy, he's the love you can lose. Extraordinary fellow like Mr. Punchinella. He's the kind of geezer who must never be abused. When you're in town and Ebenezer is around, you can sense the presence in the sound of the crowd. Who you look? The pipe does rock in, the big will get excited, it's time to shout loud. There's the chorus. All right, so that's that's. I wish you guys could have seen Matt's face during that. I was just very confused and like I was like, where is the where's the where's the vocal hook? What what's happening to me? Why am I listening to this? Why am I mesmerized by watching this video? So we have a voice hail about that, Andy. Uh, and here it is. Hey, what's up, gentlemen? This is Greg from Fort Lauderdale, also known as you are Mott the Barber Guy. <laughs> hey, uh, I just want to uh, thank my fellow brethren from uh, the UK and the fantastic band of The Shaman and their song Ebenezer Good. It was a big hit in the day. It was the days of rave music and whatnot. But there was a, uh, I guess, a hidden message behind the song and it got kind of um, dinged for uh, drug usage and uh, promoting drug usage by singing Ebenezer Good. So I'll listen to it, listen to it again. Imagine you arrive and uh, take in an ecstasy tablet. All right, love the show, guys. Always good. See ya. All right, let me try that again. Let me try to get there. And... The pipe does rock in the people get excited. It's time to shout loud. He's right. It's eighty-five percent yep. better. Now that you know it's about ecstasy. <laughs> on, on, on ecstasy at a rave, it's 85%. Oh, sure. If you're on ecstasy, yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, that's what song. he asked us to do. We ima- I imagined yeah. it. I was there in the mind's yeah. eye. And uh, quite right. frankly, uh, he's right. <laughs> oh, you know. Sure. Uh, right. That's Ebenezer Good, everybody. Thank you for the voice sale. I'd love clarification on what the fuck the UK was listening to. No one has called so in that. to uh, no one has called in to defend Deeply Dippy by uh, Right Said Fred yet, so... They sure haven't. <laughs> Thank you, Greg from Fort Lauderdale. Is that, that thick uh, Fort Lauderdale accent? Is that uh, the hail bag? That is the hail bag. All righty. All right, Andy. That means it's time to talk about the episode. We crossed many doors to many places. Your hails made us think of all your faces. Sit comfortably in your humble abode. Let's talk about this week's episode. All right. Thank you, Nacho. It's time to talk about this week's episode, which is Relics, which aired the week of October 12th, 1992. Andy, what was happening in the world? Matt, the number one song in the U.S. was still End of the Road by Boys to Men. The number yeah. one, uh, and obviously the number one song in the UK was still Ebenezer Good. Sure was. The <laughs> number one movie was Under Siege. Uh, and uh, the number one book, Where is Joe Merchant by Jimmy Buffett. Uh, birth that week. Bill. Josh Hutcherson from Hunger Games. Uh-huh. And Major League Baseball star Bryce Harper. Oh, wow. Uh, events, three presidential debates between George Bush and Bill Clinton were held. Sure. That's it. Oh, there it is, everybody. End of the road. And, of course, it's time to uh, head up the road to Palm Springs and see if uh, Frank's home. It's time for Frank Sinatra. Come on. Frank Sinatra, come on. 
time for that segment everybody hates. <laughs> for Frank Sinatra, come on. Fly me to Andy, the moon. what was the chairman yeah, of the board up to in October of 1992? Well, I'll tell you, buddy. Uh, Frank was in the middle of a seven-night run at Radio City Music Hall in nice. New York, New York. You can only get one guess as to what the big final number was each night. Oh, Shirley MacLaine it had was to be still... Fly Me to the Moon. No, you <laughs> idiot! Oh, you're so dumb! It had to be New York, New York. Oh, no, boy, oh, no. boy. He would. He did that wonderful Liza Minnelli tune? No, oh, that has nothing to do with the movie. was much later. Oh. Um, Shirley MacLaine was still partnering with uh, him on the tour, and the New York Times Review said she isn't as big a legend as Frank Sinatra but she sure can kick higher. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know if that there's, I don't think, I don't find there's nothing negative in that review. It's so hilarious. That was their review. <laughs> oh yeah. Now let's fly to the moon of relics. Let's uh, read from Dr. Trek himself. Larry Nemechek's book, Star Trek Next Generation Companion, revised edition. It's Relics, uh, directed by Alex Alexander Singer and written by Ronald D. Moore. The Enterprise crew is amazed by two simultaneous discoveries, an immense Dyson sphere and Starfleet engineering legend Montgomery Scotty Scott, kept alive for 75 years in a molecular limbo within a transporter diagnostic loop aboard a shuttle crash-landed on the sphere. Now, I take umbrage every time he says shuttle because it is a full-size starship, it's got at least eight decks on it. Uh, it drives me crazy. Okay. Is there a distinction? Like, do they... It's not like... a shuttle. It's got a bridge. It's got an engineering section. It's got a fucking... It's, it's, a, it's a ship. Do they refer to it as a shuttle in the show? No. Oh, interesting. Do they refer to it as a ship in the show? They do refer to it as a of ship course, in the show, don't they? Because it's a starship. Yeah. Now that's it really is. Strange. It is. Is he, it, is he it, talking it, about that they give him a shuttle at the no, end? Is that what he's th- no, confusing with? No, that's a with? separate thing. I know, but is that what he's thinking about? He we'll have to write should it. be thinking about more because he's writing a book. Whoa, coming down hard on that's Dr. right, Doctor Trek. This is the one I take umbrage with. Uh, <laughs> anyway, phasers fired. But depression, but depression sets in for James Kirk's old miracle worker when an impatient LaForge blurts out that the old man is only in the way now. Drink in hand, a blue Scotty is joined during a holodeck look at his old Constitution class bridge by an understanding Picard who later urges his engineer to put Scotty in use in a check of the downed Janolan shuttle. It's a fucking starship! (laughs) (laughs) Then things get rough when the Enterprise is drawn inside the sphere and Riker manages to pull the starship out of deadly spiral into the sun, only to be threatened by its long solar flares. Once Once in a close orbit... Uh, only later does the crew realize the subspace frequency had activated the sphere's tractor beam, which pulled them inside just as the Janolan had done. Back in the shuttle, nope, it's a starship. It is Scotty who figures out a way to power it up and open the sphere's doors long enough to get the Enterprise out and a split-second beam out when the craft uh, has to be blown clear. Rejuvenated, Scotty is given his own shuttle, correct, and now <laughs> has a new sense of purpose. <laughs> that drives me bananas for some reason there's no uh, outside of the fact that they call it a ship let me tell you why he's calling it a shuttle 
Okay. It is a recycled... Uh, Old shuttle. It's a recycled shuttle model, model from right. uh, Star Trek 3 or 4. Uh-huh. Uh, it's the Admiral's shuttle. Uh, okay. But this ship has the big-ass warp nacelles. It right. has clear deck windows on it. It's upside down. The model itself is upside down. There's a bridge module added to it. It's a fucking starship. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Let's go. I love this episode. It is from the USS Genola. Whoa. A Federation transport ship reported missing in this sector 75 years ago. Code 1 Alpha 0. Ship in distress. Take us out of war, Benson. All stop. Aye, sir. Report. We have entered a massive gravitational field, Captain. There are no stars or other stellar bodies listed on our navigational charts. However, sensors indicate the presence of an extremely strong gravitational source in this vicinity. Can you localize the source of the gravitational field? Sensors? I'm having difficulty scanning the object. It's clearly, it's clearly the Death Star, right? I don't know. I'm not looking at it. <laughs> Are you out of sync? Yep. Let me see if I can get back in. Wait, no, now it just says you left. Oh, you're back. Okay. Let's see what happens. Andy? Localize the source of the gravitational field. Sensors? <laughs> it really does look like the scanning star. the object. <laughs> it appears to be approximately 200 million kilometers That would be so great if it basically... The Earth orbit around the sun. If everything that they did about that object was basically saying it was the Death Star without saying it was the Death Star. <laughs> oh, sure. It would have been so a wonderful. A space station, an abandoned space station of sorts. Yeah. Some sort of large uh, laser. It seems like it created the impression of exploding, but it actually didn't explode. It just shot a bunch of sparks outward. Which would explain why this Emperor guy is still alive. <laughs> I didn't read it's true. before now. The object's enormous mass is causing a great deal of gravimetric interference. That might have prevented our sensors from detecting it before we dropped out of warp. Mr. Data, could this be a Dyson sphere? The object does fit the general parameters of Dyson's theory. A Dyson sphere? It's a very old theory, number one. I'm not surprised that you haven't heard of it. In the 20th century, a physicist called Freeman Dyson postulated the theory that an enormous hollow sphere could be constructed around a star. This would have the advantage of harnessing all the radiant energy of that star. Uh, it is weird. I mean, look, we're just here to nitpick one of my favorite episodes of Star Trek of all time. But it is weird that he says uh, a 20th century physicist called Freeman Dyson. That's the English way of saying it. Is it? Yeah, they oh. say, is, what's... Because I think at some point in the in the show, I asked about a child, what's it called? And someone said, what are you, English? Um, ah. They say, what's he called is what's his name. Interesting. My All understanding. right. Yeah. They... Although you, you raise an interesting question, and I'm going to check the script. Was that... Was that... Uh, fix things too. <laughs> I don't think I was just explaining it, but that was... Uh, but I'm curious whether Patrick Stewart... Uh, well, when you're uh, in the script, you'll also find the three-page scene they cut for time of Troy uh, talking to Scotty about his feelings. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's, we have to do a, uh, 
a Trek theater, whatever whatever the fuck we call that segment. <laughs> um, all right, let's see. Relics. Dyson. It is the Janolan, sir. It has impacted on the surface of the sphere. Uh, Freeman. Find, you can buy it by Freeman. A 20th century s- s- physicist, Freeman Dyson. It doesn't say either way. He oh, added. Oh, so he added the call and made me confused. Yeah. Like a like this a, doesn't sound right to me. I'm adding a called. All right. Uh, can we just get it once with you not saying called? No, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm the captain. <laughs> uh, magnify. There are no life signs. However, there are several small power emanations, and life support is still functioning on minimal levels. Record to engineering. Jordy, join us in transporter room three. Mr. Worf. A lot of pointing up there. <laughs> Worf, and then Worf points at who's taking over for him. Sure. Uh, all right, here they are. They beam her down, and uh, I love this so much. Sarah's pretty <laughs> stale. They take out tricorders. Warp takes out his phaser. Flat <laughs> <laughs> support is Just barely case. operating. See if you can increase the oxygen level. Aye, sir. Sure, but should I shoot it? Okay, I'm going to shoot it, yes. <laughs> now, Warp, uh, increase the oxygen. Don't shoot it. Commander, the transporter is still online. It's being fed power from the auxiliary systems. What if you just shut it all down? The rematerialization subroutine has been disabled. And that's not all. Phase inducers are connected to the emitter array. The override is completely gone, and the pattern buffer has been locked into a continuous diagnostic cycle. This doesn't make any sense. Locking the unit into a diagnostic mode just sends the matter array through a pattern buffer. Why would anyone... There's a pattern in the buffer still. It's completely intact. There's less than 0.003% signal degradation. How is that possible? I don't know. I've never seen a transporter jury rigged like this before. This is pretty cool. Could someone survive inside a transporter buffer for 75 years? I know a way to find out. Ew, ew. It's going to be so gross. It'll be so old. Leave it. Leave it. Leave it. (laughs) It just becomes a mass of flesh and blood. (laughs) I love that it's the old school transporter sound. Yay, it's and got the, a... And the old school optical effect. Yeah, I know. They brought it's pretty that, sweet. It was uh, somebody on the... Uh, somebody who worked... Uh, in the original? At the... No, at the effects house remembered seeing a canister that was labeled TOS... Uh, it was labeled Star Trek Transporter effect. Oh, my God. Can you imagine coming upon and, that canister? And, and was like, hey, I think I know where we can get the actual optical effect they used. And they pulled it. <laughs> oh, so wonderful. Uh, That's so great. Look, I, I just want to say, I know that the transporter sound shouldn't be like that. It should be you know, the movie era transporter. Oh, is it different? Yeah, but uh, I don't care. The the last it's a good, the last Trek great, movies great member Barry. The last Trek movies they had a different transporter effect. Yeah, and all of the all of the like. Oh in, yeah, of course. Yeah, of Star course. Trek six, Star, Star Trek, Trek two, five. even Star Trek two. I think it was different. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, and then oh my gosh, guys, let me just tell hey, you, I don't know if you know Matt this. Myra, so excited to see his pal Scotty show up. Really yeah. thinking, oh my God, Jordy and him are going to be best friends. It's going to be the greatest yeah. episode of my life. 
And then, you know, Jordy's mean. And I was like, whoa, Jordy. So Scotty. smart to handle it that way. Is it? I mean, look. Maybe oh, Jordy's like, oh, this guy likes computers and machines as much as I do. He better back off. <laughs> <laughs> My, uh, I have a question. How much was the degradation, the degradation of the single signal? 0.003% of the signal, not of the pattern. What's the distinction? The pattern is you. The signal is just the signal strength. Because if you were so, off, if you were off point zero zero three percent, you you dead. If your pattern was off that much. I see. So what is the signal? How does it play into the the whole thing? I don't understand. What are you talking about? What is this? I don't understand where the signal comes in. the 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 pattern is what's the the basically the energy is convert. It's the energy pattern is you. Yeah. Right. So the signal so the, is what. The signal is the transmission of the pattern. But if the signal is off point zero three percent, signal. De- if there's a signal degradation, that means the signal strength isn't a hundred percent. But the pattern. But the is pattern 100%. is still a hundred percent. Yes. The same. I see. Gotcha. We should always have that sound. <laughs> Thank you, lad. Oh, we gotta get Franklin out of there. Someone else's pattern is still in the buffer. I met Franklin. We went in together. Something's wrong. One of the inducers has failed. Boost the gain on the latter stream. Franklin, I know you're still in there. It's no use. His pattern's degraded 53%. He's gone. So how much does your pattern have to degrade before you're gone? Any. Hmm. I mean, remember when we watched an episode called um, whatever the fuck Barkley's Afraid of Transporters um, Realm of Fear yeah remember in that episode where he's like even if, if one molecule is out of alignment yeah you don't come back yeah. well 53% he's not coming back no they, that's when they could beam in a pile of flesh probably yeah <laughs> like in like you know like the fucking <laughs> funny if they did that this is such a quiet transported death and instead he beams a man and it's just like <laughs> put me back in blood. <laughs> he was a good lad I'm commander William Riker starship enterprise lieutenant commander George LaForge the enterprise I should have known I bet Jim Kirk himself hauled the old gal out of mothballs to come looking for me. Captain Montgomery Scott, tell me, how long have I been missing? Well, sir, I have restored life support. The oxygen levels will return to normal short. Yes, Andy. Now, Don't worry uh, about it. Generations was written later. They didn't know. But isn't, doesn't, isn't Scotty one of the people that sees him blown into space? In the movie that was written after this? Yeah. So that's a problem, right? Or he's got early onset Alzheimer's. <laughs> he just doesn't remember. <laughs> All right. Uh, Captain Scott, Lieutenant Worf. Lieutenant? 
Yes. <laughs> Captain, perhaps there are a few things we should talk about. Ah, oh, it's such a great, that's such a great way to introduce yeah, it's nice. Him to a Klingon who is in Starfleet. He's like, what? I love it. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's so good. So good. We should probably get you to sickbay. Dr. Crusher will want to have... Change the resonator array. <laughs> Jordy, I think our guest is going to have a lot of engineering questions. Not to worry, Commander. I'll take care of him. This is great. So you must have. This must have. What been. have you done with the Duotron? That's oh, the best thing ever. Seeing you in heaven. These, yes. Uh, the two the two generations of Star Trek talking about the transporter engineering. I mean, come on, just the two best chief engineers outside of uh, O'Brien. Oh God, I wish O'Brien was in this one. Think enhancers. <laughs> well, those were replaced with isolinear chips about forty years ago. It's a lot more efficient now. Oh, that's an EPS power tap there. So you were saying a little earlier that you were on your way to the north. I love the little tap he gives it just to make sure that the fucking panel is stuck. Yeah. James doing just being Scotty. Just <laughs> hits the fucking panel. Sure. Oh, it's delightful. It's all delightful. It really is wonderful. There it was, as big as life. Oh, is that a conduit interface? Yeah, it is. <laughs> I love that lady. I think that, by the way, that's I think that's Denise Okuda. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it's so funny to me that she doesn't turn off the interface. Jordy has to do it. It was as big as life. <laughs> oh, is that a conduit interface? Yeah, it is. You were saying it's as big as life. You mean the Dyson sphere? I, natural Dyson sphere. He goes around fixing stuff. Ooh, Ron Moore. Skills needed to even design. Were you not listening when I read that? I don't listen to everything you say. <laughs> Makes so much sense. Such a structure? Yeah, I know. It's pretty amazing. So what happened when you first approached it? Well, we began our standard survey of the surface, and we were just completing the initial orbital scan when our aft power coil suddenly exploded. Hmm. The ship got caught in the sphere's gravity well, and down we went. Uh, nice touch here, by the way. Uh, on his vest, he does have the old Starfleet insignia. Oh. And then uh, once he gets situated, he's given a comm badge. Oh, nice. To survive. Well, we didn't have enough supplies to wait for the rescue, so we had to think of something. Yeah, but... Locking it into a diagnostic cycle so that the pattern wouldn't degrade and then cross-connecting it with the phase inducers to provide a regenerative power source. That's absolutely brilliant. Well, I think it was only 50% brilliant. But Franklin deserves better. Well, in fairness, 53%. I mean, he got 53% of him. Incredible advances these oh, wait, he was degraded 53%, so I guess it was only 47%. Got a fine ship, Mr. Lafarge. A real beauty here. I must admit to being a bit overwhelmed. Mm. Wait till you see the holodeck. <laughs> you can meet girls in there, and they'll kiss you. <laughs> I mean, if that's what you like. You could also have robots or machines kiss you. Whatever. It will ache for a couple of days, but it should be fine. Oh, thank you. Well, I'll say this about your enterprise. The doctors are a fair sight prettier. Careful, Scotty. I'm Jean-Luc Picard. Welcome aboard the Enterprise, Captain Scott. Thank you, sir, and call me Scotty. How are you feeling? I don't know. How am I feeling? 
Other than a few bumps and bruises, I'd say you feel fine for a man of 147. And I don't feel a day over 120. I must say, I was a little surprised when Commander Riker told me that you were on board the Janola. Our records didn't show you listed as a member of the crew. Of the shuttle? No. It's a spaceship. It's a goddamn starship. Thank you, Captain. <laughs> well, I was never actually a member of the crew. I was just a passenger. I was heading for Norpen 5 to settle down and enjoy my retirement. I see. Well, I would very much enjoy the opportunity of hearing you talk about your career. I'm sure you would have some fascinating insights into the events of your time. I'd be happy to. Like that time you went back in time and saved everybody by bringing humpback whales? Can I hear about that? <laughs> Good. Well, I look forward to it. Excuse me. Commander, we need to... Do they, they don't really seem to be acting like they know who he is, do they? Or do you think they are? Uh, I think that they are acting... A li That's the thing. I feel like... With Star Trek characters, they always tend to... It's basically convenient. They either act like they're fucking world-renowned yes. famous people when yes. they need them to be or yeah. not. Yeah, and I think that they... I, I feel think like this they one, should they have been a little bit more reverence for him from the crew yeah. here. If, no, if for nothing else than the Enterprise connection. Yeah, uh, because like... Although, I guess even when the Enterprise comes up earlier, it's like early in the show, it seems like they're kind of like... Oh yeah, the Enterprise, the earlier Enterprise. <laughs> yeah. They're not like so. Um, no respect for history, these people. I would love the twenty-third century historian to come on in and go, "Whoa, Scotty's here!" Scotty, Jesus. Spectrograph <laughs> <laughs> analysis of the Dyson sphere. I'll get right on it, sir. Good. Once again, welcome on board, Captain. Sir, I need to get down to engineering and begin that analysis. Engineering? I thought you'd never ask. Ooh. Captain, the first thing you need to get is some rest. Now, this has been a shock to your system, and I want you to not push yourself. We're pretty busy down there anyway, Captain Scott. I promise I'd be happy to give you a tour just as soon as the doctor says it's okay. I'll find someone to show you your quarters. Oh, <laughs> How no. Sad he is. He just wants to get to engineering. And then this guy. This is the food replicator and your computer terminal. <sighs> Good Lord, man. Where have you put me? These are standard guest quarters, sir. I can try and find something bigger if you want. Bigger? In my day, even an admiral wouldn't have had such quarters in a starship. You know, I remember a time we had to transport to the Dolmen of Elas. <laughs> you never heard anyone whine and complain so much about quarters as she did. The holodecks, 10 forward, and the gymnasium are all at your disposal. The computer can tell you how to find them. Until we issue you a combat, just use one of these panels if you need anything. You know, these quarters remind me of a hotel room in Argelius. Oh, now, there is a planet. Everything a man wants right at his fingertips. Of course, in the first visit, I got into a wee bit of trouble. Excuse me, sir, but I have to return to duty. Ah. This guy is rude. Like, what is his job other than just making sure Scotty is comfortable? He has, remember we saw him a few weeks ago, and I said, he'll show up again. And a few weeks ago, I believe he was also showing someone to their quarters. <laughs> yeah, so that's his <laughs> fucking gig. So why don't you relax, buddy? Uh, what a douchebag. I will I'll, say this. Yeah. Th this subplot, I don't have a problem with Scotty feeling obsolete. It feels a little weird. I guess he was already retiring, and so that's what they're piggybacking it on. But it feels a little weird that he comes out of the 75 years and then immediately feels obsolete, and, and it overtakes him. 
And so that's one issue I have. And another issue is, is it, do you think it's implying that Scotty was always this way in his near retirement, that he was always a chatty Cathy? Or is it like because he's feeling the pressure of feeling useless that he's a chatty Cathy? Uh, like it's, I think that Scotty probably would would uh, would would tell a story or two, uh, but also it, you got to think about where he's coming off of. He was probably the most brilliant engineer in Starfleet, and yeah. the technology has passed him by now. Uh huh. So, what? Why would that make him immediately yammer? Uh, because he can't do what he normally does, which is fix everything and. He's not useful. occupied by engineering. Yes. All right. I find it to be a little bit forced. I mean, but that's all. This is all forced. It's a forced plot. They just tried to force someone from the original series into the TNG. <laughs> well, you could say that about anything. I, I think that most of it actually works really beautifully. I would just, I just think that that aspect of it is is a little. Well, bit I mean, dead. that's that. You know, the aspect I have always had problem with is uh, how they, how everyone treats them. Well, I think that is the other side of it, going along with that. Well, like also like this ensign, is, this ensign telling a, telling a fucking captain, yeah, that he's not authorized in the engineering. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I totally agree. Totes agree. Oh, I don't think so, Lassie. But I'll let you know if you can. Sir, this area is restricted to authorized uh, personnel. Bartell, it's okay. I'll handle it. Captain Scott, this really is. We're in engineering. Call me Scotty. Scotty, this really isn't a good time for a tour. We're running a phase seven survey of the Dyson Sphere. I'm not here for a tour, laddie. I'm here to help. That's very kind, but I'm sure we can handle it. I was a Starfleet engineer for 52 years, Mr. LaForge. I think I'm still useful. You're right. We'd be grateful for any help you could give us. Good. Let's get to work. I feel like... Sensors in Yeah. I feel like, um... Um... Uh, Michael, uh... Uh, Picard. The writer of Picard. Michael Picard? Uh, Michael... The, <laughs> the novelist. I'm blanking on his name. Chabon? Cavalier and... Yeah, Michael Chabon. Yeah, I feel like Michael Chabon... Or whoever it was that was the driving force, uh, whether it was Kurtzman, uh, I think leaned heavily on this episode because I feel like thematically this is it's sort of der- Picard derives a lot from it and uses a lot of the phraseology about feeling useful in that show. Well, and, um, I think they really it's it's not. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what their source material was, other than the fact that like. And it's also interesting to see if you watch Picard Logan, kind of, that's what they wanted to do was a Logan for fucking Picard. Yeah. It's also interesting to see, see Picard sort of on the other side being concerned about someone else that he is in the position of in Picard, which is feeling useless. I don't think of that as canon yet. <laughs> <laughs> the main reflector dish. It's out Lenny, of sync. You need absence. to phase lock the work fields within 3% or they'll become unstable. What? Well, look, here's the web phase. <laughs> That's how you make that we alarm stop. We use multi auto containment field now. It's Get meant to operate on the 3%. table. Oh, well, that would make the difference. We can restart the engines in 10 minutes, Commander. Thank you, Lieutenant. I remember. 
<laughs> Here he goes again. This is just crazy town to me. Yeah, thank you. And the captain wanted to try a cold start of the war pensions. And I told him that without a proper phase lock, it would take at least 30 minutes. You cannot change the laws of physics, I told him. But he wouldn't believe me. So I had to come up with a whole new engine startup routine. Do you Does know it? that your dilithium crystals are going to fracture? Yes, Andy. Doesn't Tig in Disco, when she says, can't you do it faster, say, no, why not? Because of physics. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's maybe a reference to this? No, I think it's a reference to physics every time someone says you can't defy the laws of physics right but i think it's a red that is in, in, in inherently referenced as i said it on the disco pod i think that's inherently referenced to scotty basically doing what he's doing in this episode which is always misrepresenting what, how fast he can get things done but whatever the case but the captain wants this spectrographic analysis done by 1300 hours I like how disappointed Scotty is when he says how long it'll really take. Do you mind a little advice? <laughs> he does. Starfleet captains are like children. They want everything right now and they want it their way. But the secret is to give them only what they need, not what they want. Yeah, well, I told the captain I'd have this analysis done in an hour. How long would it really take? <laughs> an hour? Oh, that. you didn't tell him how long it would really take, did you? <laughs> well, of course I did. This is great. Oh, laddie, you've got a lot to learn if you want people to think of you as a miracle worker. Now, listen, Captain Scott. I've tried to be patient, I've tried to be polite, but I've got a job to do here. And quite frankly, you're in the way. Whoa. I was driving starships while your great-grandfather was still in diapers. Well, you were gone I for 75 years. A little grateful for <laughs> <laughs> Jumping over that part. Uh, so in the in the script, Andy, this scene, he leaves here and goes right to Counselor Troy's office. Oh, exciting. Uh, Are we going to read it? I don't have it. Is it in your script? Uh, oh, it's not in the it's not in the actual script. It should be. They shot it. Let me see. Is this a bad time? What do you want? Uh, Deanna Troy. Anna Troy. Uh, here to see if there's anything I can do for you. Is this in the scene? It's not, is it? No. She okay. only is seen at the end of this episode. All right. You're not going to read it with me. I should just read it myself. Uh, I, I don't have I don't have the script. Hang on. I'm sending it to you. Oh boy, everyone. Here we go. Do you want to do Scotty or what do you want to do Troy? What a weirdly uh, f- formatted situation this is uh okay troy enters we're in scotty's quarters and scotty says to himself in the way used to be engineers had a little respect for each other come on matt do it uh do you want to do it i'll do troy (laughs) oh you're not i guess it's more appropriate that i do the terrible accent sure in the way used to be engineers had a little respect for each other used to matter if a man what do you want uh, is this a bad time? Uh, oh, uh, no. 
Captain Montgomery Scott at your service. What can I do for you? This is the worst Scotty ever. <laughs> Deanna Troy, ship's counselor, and actually I'm here to see if there's anything I can do for you. They sit down. Scott is appreciative, but a little puzzled at intentions. Why, thank you, lass, but I'm set for now. The quarters are more than adequate. The replicator is a wonder. Scott smiles at her, clearly not understanding why she's there. Uh, I'm glad you're comfortable, but I was more interested in how you feel. How I feel? Yes, it would be perfectly normal to feel disoriented, confused, or even frightened following the kind of extraordinary experience you've just had. I suppose it's been a little bewildering, yes. An awkward pause as Scott wonders where all this uh, is going, and Troy tries a different tack. I'm sure you have a lot of questions about what happened over the last 75 years. If you'd like, I could help you access some of the historical records. Maybe you could discover what happened to your family or friends. Scott pulls back at the suggestion. I'm not ready for that just yet. It's a hard thing to realize that everyone ye once knew is probably... He trails off as he suddenly realizes what tone this conversation is taking. He looks at Troy with suspicion. Pardon me for asking, but what exactly is a ship's counselor? Uh, I'm here to take <laughs> Good care... question, Scott. <laughs> I'm, I'm here to take care of the emotional well-being of our crew and our guests. And you're an officer. Yes, they started assigning counselors to starships about 40 years ago when they realized the pressures of extended space travel. You're a psychologist. Among other things. The Forge sent you here, didn't he? I may be old, but I'm not crazy. Jordy didn't send me, and I know you're not crazy. Scott gets to his feet, annoyed at this entire affair. You're damned right I'm not, and I don't need a ship's counselor or a psychologist or whatever else you are. I know what I need, and it's not here. With that, Scott exit heads for the exit. And we cut to... He needs a drink. <laughs> Poor Troy. Got cut out. Now, have the waiters in this... In, in Ten Forward always worn these goofy green outfits? Yes. Oh, I never noticed it before. May I help you, sir? Hi, lad. Scotch. Neat. So he tries Synthahall. It is no bueno. So I thought this was also... I thought this was key to our discussions about how does the replicator food taste. Because I, I have to assume based on that, even though I know Synthahall is different than alcohol, that everything is going to taste to us like if we shot to the future, we'd be like, what the hell is this? This isn't a burger. Yeah, I, but I gotta think that alcohol specifically, like, well, it's like you know, there's you know, with the like wine and you know, different whiskeys and stuff like that. It probably tastes nothing like you know, like even like if you get a bad bourbon and you drink it and you're like, oh god, this is awful. What is it? And someone's like, oh, it's wild turkey. You're like, ah, all right, that's why it's terrible. Um, or if it's like a, you know, McKellen 18 or something like that, and you're like, oh, this is really good, or a smoky Oban, uh, or a Glen, you know, Glen Levitt, maybe like a, like a 12-year-old Glen Levitt that's a little, little, little less smoky than an Oban, but like... You, you're arguing that synthahol is just as legitimate an alcohol no, as I'm scotch, arguing and just that it tastes, tastes the same. I'm arguing that it tastes bad. Oh. Like, it tastes like a bad version of scotch. So I guess my question is, are we following up that the food also tastes bad, or you no. think that's a separate issue? I think that's separate. All right. All right. 
It, it like it depends on what they're replicating, right? So if they're replicating synthahol, uh-huh. then it's going to taste like synthahol. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like if I got in there and I was like, I really could use an Oreo cookie, and they right. gave me a snack well, right? I'd be like, ugh, <laughs> what is this? This is, this is an Oreo? Oh, it's a snack well. What do in you that, mean? It's got in less that metaphor, fat. though, you're suggesting that a snack well is not as good as an Oreo cookie. Is that your point? Yeah, isn't it not? Right. No, it certainly isn't. But I just wanted to make sure that that was what your yeah. point was. Yeah. Right. It's like when you have like uh, the store brand of, of like uh, Cocoa Puffs that you're like, oh, this doesn't quite taste like Cocoa Puffs. Right. I got you. I got you. But no, but it's see, the, that to me, no, that points more in the replicator issue. If you're talking that, about it's no, almost what I'm like saying a different is like brand, the, that, that no, I concur no, with. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that whoever programmed the replicators sampled the store brand of Cocoa Puffs, not actual Cocoa Puffs. Because you know how, like, Picard has to put the recipe for tent for Earl Grey tea into the replicator? Yeah. Because the ship doesn't... Well, actually, that doesn't happen yet. You'll eventually see that. But the ship, you know, when you get when you get on the ship, it's like, I don't... Earl Grey, oh, that beverage hasn't been programmed yet. I... I guess I, I would accept. I, to me, your your first example makes better, more sense to me. Where it's like, the, the, but what the, I'm saying to you, the is replicator it's not, isn't it's not equating a repli- alcohol with synthahol. It's giving you synthahol and sort of trying to make it taste like scotch. No, but it's a totally different. What thing. I'm saying is, it's giving out synthahol. Like they're not giving out alcohol. I understand, but if, if he's asking for scotch and the guy's handing him handing he's, him synthahol, he's giving the synthahol version of scotch. Exactly. Yeah. So. I guess what I'm saying is they're trying to make synthahol taste something like scotch, but they know it's going to taste like synthahol. Right. And that's not the same as trying to do a bad version of an Oreo cookie. Right. Which I would think that's well, it's like if you were to, to get, but if you were is. like go to the the replicator and ask for a cheeseburger, you know, it really depends yeah. on what pattern you're pulling up, right? So like if you're pulling up a McDonald's cheeseburger, it's going to be very different than if you're pulling up a, you know, well, 50-50 blend. We're back in my eternal question about the replicators, which is if you did a perfect reenactment of a McDonald's cheeseburger, then it would taste exactly would it like taste, it. I, I feel think. like people on the show would. indicate that they disagree with that. Well, you know, they always say there's nothing like fresh tomatoes, blah, blah, blah. Right. You So you don't buy that. <laughs> well, I think that it tastes like, I don't know. I think it tastes like, you know, like when you have a frozen something and you put it in the oven. I mean, I would accept that distinction, but still, that's not going to be as good as, you know, fresh pizza, for instance. Well, that's why Riker's on a planet making his own pizza. Uh, all right, it's true. Emulates the appearance, Spoiler. taste, and smell of alcohol, <laughs> but the intoxicating effects can be easily dismissed. You're not quite uh, human, are you? No, sir. I'm an android. Lieutenant Commander Data. <sighs> Synthetic scotch. Synthetic commanders. I believe Guinan does keep a limited supply of non-synthaholic products. Perhaps one of them would be to your liking. That's a massive glass of scotch, by the way. <laughs> well, it's synthahol. Who cares? What is it? It is... It is... Is Data doing this for effect? <laughs> uh, he's doing it to reference the time that that happened on the original series. 
Oh, really? It was the same reaction? It was the same. <sighs> Here. I'll play it for you. This is from TOS you're talking yep. about? Well, let me pause that and bring this up. I was curious. What is Isolated glimpses of things I saw when I touched Kalinda's mind are beginning to coalesce in my consciousness. They have taken human form. Anyway, here we skip in here. Any Saurian brandy? Hang on. Whiskey. Well, I will try it. I'll get it. Sounds funny. Music. <laughs> oh, I was saving you for what? Never mind. Here's your glass. Uh. We did it, you and me. Put him right under the table. That's just... Uh, it's in there somewhere. It's green. Right. He doesn't know what the liquor that's is, good. and then he goes for his stash of scotch to okay. drink the alien under the table, because that's what the plot needed at that point. <laughs> Fair. Uh, all right. Here, let's go to the holodeck. Right at the bar. Said you could show me my old ship. Let me see it. Insufficient data. Please specify parameters. The Enterprise. Show me the bridge of the Enterprise, you chattering piece of... There have been five Federation ships with that name. Please specify by registry number. Six, actually. We, Enterprise wasn't written yet. <laughs> NCC-1701. No bloody A, B... C or D. Program complete. Enter when ready. Look at it. It's a beaut. This is pretty this is pretty touching. Uh, so they didn't uh, they didn't have the money to build the whole set Andy they only could build like a pizza slice of it yeah it's pretty clear uh, and uh, they almost they almost were gonna just go unpack the Enterprise A bridge uh huh and uh, they tried to figure out a way to get the original series bridge instead so they borrowed the chair from, they rented the chair from somebody who, uh, from a fan who would take it to conventions <laughs> Okay. Uh, Was it the actual one? Nope. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, and then they uh, built out a corner of it. The director of photography went back to figure out what lenses they were using on, on the original series. And uh, they shot this with the, the same kinds of lenses. Oh, that's pretty cool. And uh, they got it all right except for the color of the rug, which you'll see in the next shot is uh, rust-colored. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that does seem off.
love the sounds. This is really great. I really enjoy this. Poor Scotty. But this raises the whole problem with Discovery's bridge. Well, why? <laughs> what are the many reasons? <laughs> I'm just saying, the Enterprise bridge on in Star Trek Discovery. Because it's so big? What's the, doesn't look the like hologram? Doesn't look like this bridge. Oh, oh! You mean in the in the new the the version of the Enterprise? Yes. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yes. Which is like you know, it's just the whole thing I keep saying about like, well, there are cans of worms that you keep opening that you don't need to open. I thought you liked the redesign of the the new bridge. I do, but they established this. This was the pro. This was the big problem I had in Picard when they showed the Discovery era Enterprise as the hologram above Patrick Stewart. Yeah, but that to me is a. <laughs> We've had this argument before, but that to me is a separate issue. It's not an argument. Where that's, I agree with what you're saying that that is irritating because they're clearly trying to cram in their version of the Enterprise when right. our version of the Enterprise that we know is is the one that should be there. And it's like I accept that. To him. That's all I'm saying is like, why open that? But can in of terms worms? of the, but in terms of the general redesign, I don't have a problem. I just think with that, like Pike look doesn't look like the Pike we know, but I accept the Anson right, right. version of Pike. But what I'm saying and is, by like, the same token, I accept the their version. I like that there's sort of a nod to it, and it kind of the vibe feels the same. That's fine. I accept but it's that. Their version. That's all correct. Done. Okay. Love it. That's fine. All right. Yeah. My only problem is that like we're in the world of Picard, right? Okay. And Picard canonically. Right. The Enterprise NCC-1701 looks like this. Right. Doesn't look like the Discovery Era Enterprise. So what I would do is avoid references to it in the future. But see, my argument has always been, couldn't there just have been a slight refit without a, uh, a, you know, a serial number change? It's a big refit, though. I mean, they go, the, the ship... You're not telling me the ship is the newest ship in the fleet and why would it go under a refit and then go under another refit for the motion picture well it's a long time in between no, brave isn't. new world and or strange yes. new worlds and it's 10 years that's a long time you would ref you would maybe do something with your apartment in 10 years that's not that's, uh, what i'm saying is you like, might add a new how you know if you're a house you might add a couple what of what i'm like, saying rooms, to you, you might, is like uh, don't you don't need to even you don't even need to go there and maybe there's some damage. Maybe they got in some kind of a thing. And they were like, you know what? Let's change the whole thing. You don't even need to go there, though, is all I'm saying. Because why? You didn't need that. You didn't need the Enterprise hovering above Picard. Your main issue is Picard. My main issue is that they put that ship above him. Right. <laughs> Instead of just not doing it or putting this ship above him. Right. That's all. That's my I mean, issue. Do did we establish whether they have the rights to the other ship? Yes, they do. They do. Yeah. They're CBS. They own it all. Right. All right, there you go. Here's to you, lads. I mean, this was just the coolest thing I'd ever seen. I love this scene. It's so nice. And then when Patrick Stewart shows up, you're like, oh my God, Captain Picard's on the bridge of the Enterprise. It's amazing. So great. It's the greatest day of my life. I hope I'm not interrupting. It's really nerd overload. I was just coming off duty, and I wanted to see how you were doing. Oh, not at all, not at all. 
Would you have a drink with me, Captain? Thank you. I don't know what it is exactly, but I would be real careful. It's real. Do we, do we know Picard, Picard to be a drinker like that? He really he downed it. Grew up on a winery. A wine, oh, of uh, course. Okay. So stupid. Yeah, you're so right. His family is alcohol. We don't really touch on him sitting on the uh, on the winery at the beginning of Picard, like being basically an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, he does have really good self-discipline. Just a hermit. Who do you think gave it to Guinan? Ah. That scene was originally written for Guinan, by the way. Yeah. Constitution class. Aye. That's the sound You're of the engines. With them. There's one in the fleet museum. But... But then, of course, this is your enterprise. I actually served on two. This was the first. She was also the first ship I ever served on as chief engineer. You know, I served aboard 11 ships, freighters, cruisers, starships. The last this one was a shuttle. one, I think. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was clearly a starship. <laughs> All right. Well, you call it what you want. <laughs> First vessel that I served on as captain was called Stargazer. It was an overworked, underpowered vessel. Always on the verge of flying apart of the seams in every measurable sense. <laughs> be funny if the second that Picard possible. started his stories, that Scotty was like, All right, will you give it a rest? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> You're also selfish in this time period. <laughs> there are times when I would give almost anything to command the Stargazer again. Uh, it's like the first time you fall in love. You don't ever love a woman quite like that again. Well, to the Enterprise and the Stargazer. Old girlfriends will never meet again. Actually, I did. I fought a Ferengi in it. Uh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of the Enterprise, D? She's a beauty with a good crew. But. But. When I was here, I could tell you the speed that we were traveling by the feel of the deck plates. But on your ship, I feel like I'm just in the way. Well, 75 years is a long time. If you would care to study some technical schematics or- I'm not 18. I can't start out like a raw cadet. <laughs> no, there comes a time when a man finds that he can't fall in love again. He knows that it's time to stop. I don't belong on your ship. I belong on this one. This was my home. This is where I had a purpose. But it's not real. It's just a computer-generated fantasy. And I'm just an old man who's trying to hide in it. Uh, I mean, look, it's a great, I love the scene so much. So great. Um, but I did want to point out, this is the, 
This is the most upbeat, nonchalant Captain Picard has ever had some has ever said come when someone rings his doorbell to his ready room. <laughs> I'm gonna play it right now. It's the next oh, sorry, let's get it back here. Kind of even looks like the Death Star from the outside. <laughs> come. <laughs> that is a man who has not one care in the world right now. He is just, just so happy to be himself and be on the bridge and be in command of his ship and just, yeah, I mean, was, it's just. Maybe he was influenced by, uh, you know, you see how sad he is in Picard a lot of the time. Maybe it's, he, was, oh. he sort of got a little picture of the future and he's like, mm-hmm. well, that's. What I could be someday. I could I be obsolete. But better. right now, I'm in my prime. Come. Uh, I'm in my prime. <laughs> um, I will say, the uh, watching that scene, it does illuminate why they cut the Troy scene. Because they tried to... The Troy scene is clearly there because there's so many issues that would come up if you jumped forward 75 yeah. years. And so they were like, oh, we should address it. And then I think at some point, they were just like... We, if we open up this can of worms, then but you know like it's funny. It's all not, the people that died and everything else. They were very smart. By the way, they smartly didn't open the can of worms. Uh, That's what I'm saying. Even yeah. in the dialogue, though, they don't open it. Um, but if you think without about it, without the Troy scene, but in the Troy scene, they do. Oh, you're saying in the in the scene itself? Yeah, when he's like, I can't even go there right now. But even by putting a finger on what they're not going. But really, like you think about it, McCoy's alive. Spock's alive. Uh, uh, he's you know I'm sure like I'm sure Uhura's alive somewhere, right? I mean I'm sure like because you think of, Uhura's alive? Pro- I mean if McCoy's alive, why wouldn't Uhura be alive? That's a really good point. <laughs> if McCoy's if McCoy's walking around a cranky admiral, yeah. And <laughs> all right. Well, never get drunk unless you're willing to pay for it. The next day. I'll manage. By the way, I think that shaped my whole outlook as a drinker, that line right there. (laughs) Because I really, you know, I always don't drink if I have something to do the next day. It's a really good good lesson, yeah. And uh, because of that, I never drink. I don't think I've had, I haven't had alcohol. I don't think. (laughs) I think it's March, early March. Yeah, well, I mean, in quarantine, it gets weird when you're drinking. Sure, it's, it's sort of you're you're not drinking socially; you're drinking just for the entertainment of drinking. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I haven't really drank either. Drunken. All right. So then the Enterprise decides to uh, open up. Side a note: hail. You can see the uh, when when Jordy uh, stepped on the transporter pad, you can really see it shift under his weight. Well, I mean, look, it's uh, probably, it's not transparent aluminum. It's probably just a uh, plexi. <laughs> you know, we forgot. So that's Ensign Rager. And uh, we forgot to do an Ensign Rager line count. Oh, my God. You're so right. Ensign Rager freaking kicks ass in this episode. I don't know if she yes, comes sir? back, but, I mean, I know she's been in the ep- in the show before what do you mean many times. What she like she's the one that 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 is at the helm when they're going through all these difficult maneuvers inside the Dyson sphere. She's fucking awesome. I mean, she knows her shit. I'm just saying, you don't get to be the driving a, the fat flagship of the Federation without being an awesome pilot. That's all. I'm I don't saying. know. All I feel like we've seen working. a lot of other people there who've been like only one person scrubs. is that only one person has ever crashed the ship, and that's Deanna Troy. 
Uh, all right, let me see. Hold position here. Uh, Rager has an I, sir. I don't, nice. know, I don't know if That's she says one. it in the script. Um, that one, she doesn't say anything. Then uh, we're holding relative position at 30,000 That's two. kilometers above this. So that is that one happened yet? Uh, that one, I think she... Um, prepare to take us to oh that's Riker um, Captain I'm reading intense gravitational emissions on the surface of the ship is not rocked hard alright I think we're in a new territory now so she's at one one so far That's but she Garden said Wharf. more than one thing hasn't she Garden Wharf have now joined Riker and Data on the bridge the view screen shows a close shot of the surface um, sensors indicate that the large circle is a portal airlock. Have we done that? Portal or airlock? Tractor beams have released us, sir. The tractor beams have released us, sir, is a line. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. So then I'm going to go back. <laughs> sorry. Oh my God, we're just trying to counter lines, Andy. Look, I, I don't We got to count them right. We got to count them right. <laughs> Okay. We're going to do some accounting for her. <laughs> okay. Uh, one, I, sir. Yep. Two, we are holding relative position at 30,000 kilometers. Yep. Three, Captain, I'm reading intense gravitational emissions on the surface of. Four, we've lost main power. Auxiliary power down to 20%. Auxiliary power failing. That's later. Well, I don't know. I didn't and that's four. the tractor beam one. And the tractor beam is five. But you somehow don't... The tractor beam is the next one, so I guess the scenes are out of order. Huh. Hang on. The array is currently... Or the lines are out of order. Ensign, prepare to put us in orbit above those coordinates. Captain Picard, to the bridge, please. The next day. And then I think... Should be here, first line, right? Second line. Sensors indicate that the large circle is a portal or airlock, possibly leading to the interior of the sphere. This looks like the front door. Should we ring the bell? Mr. Wolf, open a channel to that communications array. Hi, sir. Oh, there's, there's two lines that are cut over. What's up? He says, uh, possibly leading the interior of the spear. And then Picard uh, originally said, you said you found a communications array. And Data goes, yes, sir. It is located on the periphery of the hatch. And then he goes, it looks, looks, looks like the front door. Oh, Which I you guess go. you can see why they would cut that couplet. <laughs> deal of surface Tape instability. Cut. It may be... Sir, the inertial motion from the tractor beams is still carrying us forward. Impulse engines are offline, and I can't stop our momentum. Where's that line, Andy? That's later. That's after the tractor beam line. We're falling directly into the star. So that's five, then. She definitely has five. No question. All right. She Look, did it. It. it wasn't as exciting as Nurse Ogawa. But Sorry, now, if you all will take your machines and bring them to 29 minutes and 50... 30-minute uh, mark, exactly... You will see what is clearly a starship. NCC 201 something. <laughs> USS Janolin. Let's take a look at the side of the ship, Andy, shall we? We've got sure. at least one, two, three decks before the pylon for the warp nacelle. 
So there's at least six decks on this thing. You have a bridge section right in the front, right here, uh, and probably a shuttle bay right behind there. Uh, so I, I cannot figure out for the life of me why someone would think this was a shuttle. You know, Matt, it says shuttle on the side. No! <laughs> uh, huh? I say it's old, Mr. LaForge. It can't handle the interface of your power converter. This equipment was designed for a different era. Now it's just a piece of junk. Oh, I don't know. It seems like some of it's held together pretty well. Century out of date. It's just obsolete. Well, you know, that's interesting because I was just thinking that a lot of these systems haven't changed much in the last 75 years. This transporter is basically the same system we use on the Enterprise. Subspace radio and sensors still operate under the same basic principle. Impulse engine design hasn't changed much in the last 200 years. If it wasn't for all the structural damage, this ship still might be in service today. Maybe so. But when they can build ships like your Enterprise, who'd want to pilot an old bucket like this? I don't know. If this ship were operational, I bet she'd run circles around the Enterprise at impulse speeds. Just because something's old doesn't mean you throw it away. Is that true? That's the lesson! <laughs> you know, we used to have something called a dynamic mode converter. You wouldn't have something like that on your Enterprise, would you? I haven't seen anything like that in a long time. But I bet I might be able to come up with something similar. The Forged Enterprise. Or we could check this starship we're on for a dynamic <laughs> mode converter. Anyway. LaForge to Enterprise, come in please. Oh, so it makes a different chirp when you can't touch you can't reach the ship? Interference? What if every time we did that it would no, go? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we will enter the sun's photosphere in three minutes. I mean, look, it's great. You know, it's good. I love the ticking clock on the thing, and I like that. Uh, I, I, I just, I think all of this is plotted out very well. Yeah, the two engineers, the two best we Star Trek engineers, have to started. save the Enterprise. And and this whole this whole conversation. Oh my God, I love this whole conversation. Inside the sphere, maybe. Whatever happened, we've got to find them. You know, if we could get these engines back online, we could track them with their impulse ion trail. Are you daft? The main drive assembly shot. The inducers have melted. The power couplings are wrecked. We'd need a week just to get started. But we don't have a week, so with no sense in crying about it. Come on, we'll see what we can do with your power converter. Did we pass when he says he doesn't want to be captain? No. Okay. Uh, so they're talking about inside the sphere, and then uh, oh, I love it! I love Scotty underneath a fucking console with Jordy. Look at uh, those legs! This is engineer in action under there. The auxiliary so tank. The tank can't withstand that kind of pressure. <laughs> where'd you where'd you get that idea? What do you mean? Where did I get that idea? It's in the impulse engine specifications. <laughs> Regulation so forty two slash fifteen. Pressure variances on the IRC tank storage? Yeah. Forget it. I wrote it. A good engineer is always a wee bit conservative, at least on paper. Just bypass the secondary cutoff valve and boost the flow. It'll work. Okay. 
you know, he could have written something in there like it's a little bit more dangerous, but it could work if you. <laughs> I think it's, it's supposed to be understood. You're not supposed to just read it and take it as fact. Come on. The engine should be coming back online about now. Hey, you were right. The auxiliary tank is holding. Take the bridge, Commander. Oh, no. You're the senior officer here. Oh, I may be captain by rank, but I never wanted to be anything else but an engineer. That is one of the most priceless moments in this series. Oh, I love it. I love it. Friggin' him saying that to Jordy. Ugh. The smile Jordy gives him, so satisfying. I love the naysaying that uh, Data does here, and then he turns and goes, oh, I'll go faster. Still holding, sir, but they are down another 15%. Mr. Wolf, can we use the phases to open a hole in the sphere? No, sir. The exterior shell is composed of carbon neutronium. Our weapons would be ineffective. But Mr. I'm going to shoot them anyway. We have to find some way out of here. Begin scanning for another hatch or portal that might still be open. The interior surface area is over 10 to the 16th square kilometers. It will take seven hours to completely scan the surface, sir. I will endeavor to speed up the process, sir. <laughs> uh, also, like, look at the size of the Janolin. It's not a shuttle. I don't understand. It's <laughs> really driven you insane. <laughs> He's saying it because it kind of looks like a shuttle. I know. Dr. Trek really, can't be right why, about everything. Why, why write it four times in that fucking three paragraphs? We found hundreds of them Boy. when we did our initial survey 75 years ago. Did you try hailing them? I, that was standard procedure at the time, and we did it right before we crashed. Yeah. Hailing is standard procedure today, too. Scotty. What if those aren't communications arrays? What if they're access terminals which are triggered by subspace signals on certain frequencies? Frequencies like our standard ship's hail. Exactly. The Enterprise, when they saw that terminal, they probably did the same thing you did 75 years ago, open a channel. Only this time, they triggered something that activated that hatch and pulled the ship inside the sphere. A very nice piece of reasoning, laddie. Nice indeed. Yeah, well, we could probably trigger the hatch the good point award. we'd get pulled in just like they were. Maybe all we need to do is to get our foot in the door. Now, we might not be pulled inside when the hatch opens. If we keep our distance from the sphere, say, uh, half a million kilometers, then when the hatch starts to close, we move in and we use the Janolin to jam the hatch open, hoping that the Enterprise will escape. You can't be serious. That I'm serious. Is huge. And stop It'll calling me can't like be. Did he say ship or shuttle? Did he say ship or shuttle? I don't know. Oh, good. Go back. Sorry, I cut you off. No, he Did said he ship. ship? Hatch yeah. open, hoping that the Enterprise will escape. You can't be serious. That hatch is huge. It'll crush this ship like an egg. Jordy, the shields will hold. Don't worry about that. And I can get a few extra gigawatts out of these babies. Scotty, it's crazy. Jordy, I have spent my whole life trying to figure out crazy ways of doing things. I'm telling you, as one engineer to another, 
I can do this. <sighs> so great. All right. <gasps> Let's do it. Oh, yeah. Look at the bridge. Oh, yeah. Just a big ass ship. We're at 500,000 kilometers. <laughs> and it does look like a shuttle. Okay. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with you. <laughs> Here we go. It's a really cool looking ship. Or shuttle. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you say that? Uh, I mean, I love it. They wedge this thing open with the. Oh my god, it's just so great. It's so great. It's so great. Yeah. This and look at look at Ensign Rager. Captain, we're not going to be able to move this ship out of the way when you get here. You're going to have to destroy it in order to escape. So How cool. Much longer before we reach them? That's a that's Ron Moore at his best right there. Sixty percent power. It will take one minute forty seconds. Bridge to transporter room three. Prepare to beam two from the Janolan as soon as we're within range. I beam Jordy and the remains of Matt Franklin. Isn't that what you meant? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Where I should am have been I? more specific. <laughs> It's coming apart, lad. I can't do anything else. It's coming apart. Photon torpedoes armed and ready, sir. I'm going to fire them now. <laughs> we are within transporter range. Bridge to transporter room. Energize. Aye, sir. Fire torpedoes. That was a little... They shouldn't, little able, suspect they shouldn't have been able that, to beam uh, them up through the shields, but that's beside the point. I thought it was a little suspect that uh, Picard uh, says energize and then says fire torpedoes before he hears anybody say we got him. <laughs> <laughs> like if that guy was like taking a drink of coffee, he would have missed Yo, the boat. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> uh, sir, uh, there's nothing to lock on to. Where's oh, I wish O'Brien was working today. <laughs> Where's the ship, sir? Uh... Yeah, Ensign Rager. Look at that shit. I like when they. Uh... Come on, when is when is when have you even remembered any helmsman doing a maneuver like that? Picard, uh, when they got him out of the out of the booby trap field in in the episode Booby Trap, yeah, exactly. Picard, the greatest, you know. And also, uh, I don't really think of I don't in, uh, really history. I don't really think of this maneuver as that much of a maneuver because if you if you go the other way, like if you think about the ship not having to pivot, it's just it's just it's just flying straight. <laughs> You know what I mean? She has to. She has to navigate in a way that fits it through a closing door. Well, look, it's a, it's a, it's a space, three dimensions. I think she's as good as she should be, and I think she's a great helmsman. I think she's she's amongst the top five helmsmen we've ever seen on TNG. I'll give you that. She's amongst right. the top five. I know. And she's not as good as the guy who looks down the barrel of the camera all the time. <laughs> that wasn't so bad, was it? I don't know how Jordy had time to grab his bag. <laughs> <laughs> Captain's log, stardate four six. Also, I would have liked it if he beamed on and he was in the seat seated position, <laughs> and then fell. One two five point three. Starfleet has dispatched two science vessels to study the Dyson sphere, while we proceed to Starbase fifty five. So, 
this alien space baby, which was about the size of a four-story building, really thought the Enterprise Enough of this story! <laughs> no, really. It was suckling power directly from the ship's fusion reactors. So Dr. Brahms and I changed the power frequency from 21 centimeters to 0 0.02 centimeters. So you soured the milk. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, enjoy these times, Geordie. You're the chief engineer of a starship. And it's a time of your life that'll never come again. When it's gone, it's gone. Now, lad, I thought you were going to buy me a drink in 10 forward. Actually, I had a better idea. I thought we'd have sex with these robots. <laughs> I have a better idea. Get the fuck off my ship. <laughs> You're giving me one of your shuttles? Well, call oh, it an look extended at this. Everybody's here. Since you lost your ship, and now that we read the scene with Troy, the goodbye makes more sense. A hundred percent. And as a matter of fact, look at. one of the things I had was... It's so weird that he says these these touching goodbyes to everybody, and then he gives friggin' Worf the shaft. And I was like, you don't even know these other people. And now I understand that he does know some of them. He knows everybody. It's still, he shouldn't it's have still given Worf pretty the shaft. cold. He shouldn't have given Worf the shaft. Worf should have. He, Worf should have I been feel like, like he would have. Yeah. Worf should have been like, you are a hero to the Empire. You saved the Kittimer Accords. You shot Colonel West like a badass. Yeah. And flew, we flung him out a window. And, uh, oh, man, good stuff right there. <laughs> Laddie, every woman has her own charm. You just have to know where to look for it. Well, she's a little slow, but she'll certainly get you to the Norpin Colony, if that's really where you want to go. The Norpin Colony is for old men to retire. Maybe someday I'll end up there. But not yet. It's well, been the same thing for 75 years. Oh, my eyes, Mr. Scott. Thank you, sir, for everything. Mr. Scott. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Scotty. Thank you. Bye. Bye. You're well. Mm. <laughs> a good crew. Yeah, they are. A fine ship. A credit to her name. But I've always found that a ship is only as good as the engineer who takes care of her. This one's fucked. And from what I can see, <laughs> the Enterprise is in good hands. Oh, there you go. Just the best. So satisfying. Oh, the little doo doo doo. You take care of yourself out there. Aye. <laughs> Where's the toilet? <laughs> There's no food here. <laughs> uh, I am so pleased with that episode, just in so many different ways. And then, so satisfying, Andy. If you'd like a little, if you'd like a little digression to memory beta, I can tell you what Scotty's been up to. Oh, please. So, after he leaves, uh -huh. he. Uh, he goes back to Earth. Okay. He takes some supplemental engineering courses. Gets fully re gets fully reinstated by Starfleet. Okay, so he goes back and he's a cadet, just like he said he wouldn't be. Right. He, but he, you know, he's you know he's a captain. Uh, he's a captain of engineering. He rejoins the engineering corps and he okay. participates in the design and building of a new ship. Voyager. Uh, nope. Uh, the Sovereign class ship. 
Uh-huh. Uh, he's building uh, the hose and the Hosu, I believe, is the name of the ship. But uh, once uh-huh. the Enterprise D is destroyed, they decide to rename that ship the Enterprise E. So in memory, Beta Land, uh, Scotty was one of the designers of the Enterprise E. That's smart work, memory uh, Beta. Along with, yeah, Captain Bateman. Is that Kelsey Grammer? It sure is, pal. <laughs> I love it. I love stupid memory beta stuff. It's so uh, satisfying to and me. Then, and then at some point he becomes... I feel like somebody... Yeah, go ahead. He becomes the head of Starfleet Engineering. Yeah. And the Engineering Corps... At one point he becomes the captain of a ship called the Challenger, the USS Challenger. It's a Galaxy-class ship. It's one mm. of the Engineering Corps ships. Uh, and he this is a spoiler for Voyager a little bit but I think it's in a season you've probably seen it's before season 7 do you remember the episode of Voyager where uh, Harry Kim and uh, and Chakotay travel back in time to prevent (laughs) the ship from getting blown up sounds sounds familiar well if you remember that uh, the, the USS Challenger comes to stop them from traveling for making the time and convert, convert, you know, the time incursion, and that ship is captained by Jordy LaForge. Oh no, I don't remember that. That's uh, cool. It's just a quick clip, you know. You only, you yeah. know, he's just on a view screen. It's a, a, a Levar Burton directed the episode too. Um, yeah. But uh, in memory, Beta Land, uh, it, Scotty gives up his commission of the USS Challenger to become the head of Starfleet Engineering. And he uh-huh. recommends uh, Jordy LaForge to the post as the captain of the Challenger. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. So that's a little memory, a trip down memory beta. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I would take that as a segment every every time. Oh, come on. Well, let's take a trip down memory beta. If anyone wants we, to write that jingle, I, go for it. I'm sure that somebody must have sent this in to me at some point. But like, uh, to, does Roe in memory beta ever get her own ship or do anything? Has that ever been established? Do we know? And then my other question is, it, what occurs to me is, are we done with Roe? Is Roe... No, not yet. Uh, oh, great. Uh, I don't remember where Roe ends up. I believe Roe ends up with the Maquis. Oh, good. In, uh, in memory beta. Sure. Um, anyway, yes, great. This, is, this was a fun trip fun conversation and now it's a uh, very much needed after last week very uh it's our it's our it's our joyful duty to award an mvc here mm-hmm. well it's the mvc yeah the mvc only matt and andy know who it's gonna be will it be data Riker, Troy, or Dr. Crusher, if you don't like who they pick, just remember that this podcast is free. It's pretty obvious. It's 100% Counselor Troy. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Montgomery Scott, Captain Scotty. 
for me. I and, mean, I don't, uh, know. I mean, I don't want to. I'm be like, giving my vote to Ensign Rager. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, very. There's, there's a, there's certainly a. She's the one who navigated them out. She, uh, <laughs> she was at the helm. If she's, if she does it without, without that, that adept helmsmanship, they don't survive that. <laughs> Uh, Andy, let me tell you in uh, memory beta while we're here. Oh, but are you yeah. going to give it to Rager? What are you doing? I am giving it to Rager. Oh my God, that's amazing! It's Rager, it's Rager. not Rager. She's not. It, she's not at a party listening to Ebenezer Good saying "Ease are good, ease are good." <laughs> uh, let's see here. I think it is Ensign Rager, actually. No, it's Rager. Are you sure? I said Rager just now, but I think it might be Ensign no, Rager. No, you said Rager, and mm-hmm. it's Rager. You're correct, it's Rager. All right. I mean, all right, so. <clears throat> Ensign Rowe eventually becomes the captain of the USS Defiant. <laughs> oh. In memory beta. <laughs> Interesting. There you go. I'm really excited to uh, share some uh, trips down memory beta. New segment. You've heard it here. Thank you all. Uh, Gentlemen, start your jingles. (laughs) And uh, here we go. We sit and watch and then we hang and talk, but the podcast isn't over just yet. How many Andy's does this episode get? Why don't you go first, Matt? Oh, it's a 10 out of 10 Andy's for me. 10 out of 10. I love this episode so much. It appeals to all of my boyhood dreams of being a Starfleet engineer. And yeah. uh, it's really, it's just, a, it's a joyful, joyful thing for me to watch. And I watch it frequently. I, I do love this episode. And, uh, you know, I always said that uh, I would rate things on uh, if I would, if I would uh, keep watching, if I stumbled upon it, flipping the channels. And yeah. uh, this is a 10, which means I would see it playing in the middle somewhere and I would go find a DVD or put on a Netflix and start it over. That's a 10. Uh, it's certainly uh, hard to argue with, and it's so satisfying, uh, both from uh, from a fan of TOS perspective and a fan of TNG perspective, and uh, just really using the characters working together in such a beautiful way. Um, uh, for me, there are a few stumbles in terms of the... Scotty feeling obsolete plot line and uh, that's the only reason I'm deducting any points at all. Uh, I give it a 9. A 9 out of 10! And then it's Uh, time to talk about schisms which will be next week's episode of uh, TNG. Uh, Andy, let's go pull the trailer up and have a watch here. If I remember correctly, schisms is an episode that I hate re-watching because it scared me as a child. Oops. Um, I am ready when you are. Well, I'm not ready yet. I'm not good at typing. Now I'm ready. <laughs> uh, here we go, Andy. Let's hit play. I'll count us in. Sorry. Three, two, one, play. Without warning and no explanation, an experiment in terror has begun. I've been in this room before. We've all been here before. <laughs> Have crew members been kidnapped and memories erased? I need to know if anyone comes on or off this ship. It looks as though your arm has been severed. 
and then reattached. And will they be sacrificed as human guinea cool. pigs? Commander Riker has been taken from the Enterprise. Next time on Star Trek, the next generation. Oh my it's god. Possible? That terrified. could be good. Terrified me. Yeah. Maybe it is good. I don't know, but I was so fearful as a child of being abducted by aliens. Sure. I Why hated you, I, you know, like fire in the sky and like yeah, Fire in the Sky was not Episodes good. of uh, Unsolved Mysteries of, of <laughs> Alien Abductions. I just, it was my, probably my biggest fear. Yeah. That or running into a Bigfoot in the woods. Those are my two biggest fears. <laughs> so. Where, where, where did you derive your fear of Bigfoot from? Six Million Dollar Man? Or was that uh, No, it was just a I think it was also unsolved mysteries that drove that fear uh, oh, into sure, me. Sure, sure. You know, right, and right, right. Uh, I camped a lot as a kid, so I just always assumed I was <laughs> that's either why, going That's to why be. Bigfoot never had any bearing on me. <laughs> sure. Like, big, yeah, he's not big, Bigfoot's to, never going to get He's not to coming me. to the village. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be more afraid of Jack the Ripper than uh, <laughs> Sure. Uh, but I remember I, I you know, it, it would get so bad sometimes the alien uh, abduction fear of mine that I would go and my mother who probably is listening right now can attest to this. I would go sleep I would have such horrible fears of this that I would go sleep at the f- on on the floor in my parents' room at the foot of their bed. Wow! Just to make sure that aliens would not abduct me. See, if I was uh, if I was Mary, I would I would have taken a little flashlight and then like pretended <laughs> it was coming in from outside the window. I don't <laughs> doubt that my <laughs> I don't doubt that my dad did that once or twice. Uh, <laughs> all right. So next week's schisms. Uh, if you're in the Patreon uh, and you're a member of the uh, the uh, lieutenants and presidents, uh, you can look for uh, our watchdown of Enterprise coming later this week. And uh, next week, we'll see you all back here for a terrifying episode of Star Trek that I'll have to watch in the daylight. Exciting. <laughs> it's terrifying. Thank you all so very much. Andy, I'm going to beam us out of here. I hope that I can keep our signals from degrading too much. You don't think you can just beam us out? Disengage! Sorry, I stepped over your Scottish disengaging. (laughs) No problem. Uh, All right, I'm heading stop. Follow Star Trek The Next Conversation on social media. You can find them on Instagram and Twitter at Star Trek TNC. On Facebook, search for Star Trek TNC and join the face group. Send comments, questions, prime correctives, and anything else to sttncpod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave a voice hail, call 816-TREK-TNC. That's 816-873-5862. For callers outside of the United States, use country code PLUS1. And don't worry, no one answers the phone. It's only for messages. If you've got something to mail to Matt or Andy, send it to Andrew Secunda, P.O. Box 46898, Los Angeles, California, 90046. And please send an email to let them know that something is coming. Finally, to support the podcast and get even more content, visit patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Be a lieutenant for only $5 per month or join the President Circle for $17.01 per month.